every episode of this podcast is about true things that have happened at some point or another on this planet. Each episode is different than the next, and they are each centered around stories that are odd, outlandish, or of the occult. This podcast will include foul language. This podcast may also include themes of graphic content such as murder, rape, or gore. Listener's discretion is advised. Hello, and welcome to Seven Circles. I am Autumn, and this is... Satan! Can confirm, Dan has taken the day off, so my co-host today will be Satan himself. Hi! Today we have an episode about numbers. Ooh, your strong suit! Yes, numbers are my strong suit, since I have dyscalculia. It's like being dyslexic, but with numbers. So... And this episode will also be about history and religion. We will be talking about the number 666, its origin, and its place in pulp culture. We first see the number 666 used in the book of Revelations in the Christian Bible. I happen to have a copy of this book, so I pulled the information straight out of it. I rarely stray from the internet when I do my research, but I think I'm going to start to balance things out with some actual reading from books. Anyways, here's what the first mention of the number 666 says. And I stood upon the sand of the sea, and saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. (laughs) That is a great drawing that you made there. I thought it said crowns, not horns. It's got horns, but I I failed to draw the crowns. Okay. I wish everyone could see this. It is... I will post um, on the Facebooks. Okay, hold on. Let me count real quick. One, two, three, four, five, six... Wait, what? Three, four, five, six... There's Can seven, you count? There's seven heads. Oh, it does say seven they have heads. seven yeah. heads, and they have ten horns. Huh. And they're coming out of the sea. Look. Yeah. Okay. I mean, outstanding. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of a bear, and his mouth the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him his power, and his seat, and great authority. (laughs) How did you fail so miserably to... Look, it's, it's when it was coming up, it was just the head out of the sea see and then when it came all the way out of the sea you could see his mouth and his leopard print oh i get it it's a great yeah. rendition i'm just like you know when you have like so much space on a piece of paper yeah and you go to write a word but then you get to the end of the word and you don't have space for the last letter because you entirely misjudged it yeah that's what you did here that's what i did yeah but it's it's very good Definitely, definitely go to the Facebook group and look at the images. Look at the pictures. It took me 20 minutes to draw the leopard print on this terrible drawing. It's a true masterwork. (laughs) Okay, as we were. Anyway. And then it goes on to talk about more beasts coming up out of the earth and shit for a while. And then it says... (laughs) It says meow. (laughs) Thanks, cat. That was perfectly timed. But what it actually goes on to say is, 
And he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand, on in their foreheads, and that no man might buy or sell, save that he had the mark, or the name of the beast, or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is six hundred three score and six. And for the avoidance of doubt, a score is twenty, so three score is sixty. Six hundred and sixty-six. Bravo. Mainstream biblical scholars interpret the beast as a symbol for the Roman Empire. Which makes way more sense, let's be honest. Nothing wrong with a little analogy, allegory and metaphor, until people are so fucking dumb they take them at face value. Given that Greek and Hebrew letters possess numerical equivalents, the number of its name, lots of words and names can add up to 666 in Hebrew though, but the most likely original candidate for the name is Nero Caesar, which yields 666 when translated from Greek into Hebrew. Huh, I did not know that. I know that's how they came up with the supposed name of their god, Yahweh. Yahweh! So Nero Claudius Caesar Augustus Germanicus was born on the 15th of December in 37 AD, and he died on the 9th of June, 68 AD. He was the fifth Roman emperor and final emperor of the Julio-Claudian dynasty, reigning from 54 AD until his death in 68 AD. When Nero was two years old, his father died. His mother married the emperor Claudius, who eventually adopted Nero as his heir. When Claudius died in 54, Nero became emperor with the support of the Praetorian Guard and the Senate. Soon after coming to power, Nero had his mother murdered because she was trying to guide him too much during his rule. What a learner! He feared that she was actually trying to rule the kingdom through him. Kind of like Cersei and Joffrey in the Game of Thrones. Man, if Joffrey would have had Cersei whacked, the whole story would have been completely different. Which one was Cersei? Was she one off upon which I would have whacked? <laughs> yes, you probably would have. She was Joffrey's mother and, like, she was the one that was banging her brother. She sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, not so much. Nero also had his first wife killed so that he could marry a different woman. I like this guy already. This guy knows what he wants and he just goes for it. Yeah, he does. Because he also had his stepbrother Britannicus killed because he was scared that he would try to take the throne. Usurping bastard. Got what he deserved. These kinds of killings were not uncommon amongst those in power, and with most royalty came the usurper paranoia. And it makes sense. If I was queen of the world, I would absolutely be vigilant and constantly looking over my shoulder. With great power comes great responsibility, yeah. But also with great power comes great enemies. And hookers. Don't forget about the hookers. What the hell do sex workers have to do with this, Daniel? Well, if you had power, you would just have them all, right? Yes, all the time. Yeah, constantly. Nero's practical contributions to Rome's governance focused on diplomacy, trade, and culture. He ordered the construction of amphitheatres, promoted athletic games and contests, likely nude ones, and made public appearances as an actor, poet and musician. This scandalised his aristocratic contemporaries, as these occupations were usually the domain of slaves, 
public entertainers and infamous folk, probably hookers. The provision of such entertainment made Nero popular among lower-class citizens, but his performances undermined the imperial dignity. Nero had also implemented some tax policies that made the local governments grumble. Nero was like, Hey man, people don't like paying taxes. Let's just stop making them do this thing. And this pissed off a lot of the higher-up government officials and prominent members of society. So Nero fucked off to Egypt for a while to lay low. Wasn't he banging Cleopatra? No, wait, that was Antony. Sorry, wrong emperor. Yeah, they kind of all just look the same, right? Wow. He's saying they all just had big noses and they just looked the same. I mean, they were just all inbred Romans, right? How were they inbred? I mean, quite possibly, but what makes you say they're inbred? Just because they all had Roman noses, stereotypically speaking. Because they were royalty. That's what they did back then. Oh. Gotta keep that bloodline pure. Keep it what? Sorry? <laughs> pure. Pure. <laughs> anyway. So yeah, he had that many targets on his back at this point. He returned a while later seeking a pardon, but did not receive it. So Nero was like, I might as well kill myself because I'm going to end up being murdered anyway. But he couldn't bring himself to do the thing. Weak. In the end, Nero had his private secretary kill him. The lower class people of Rome mourned the loss of Nero, but all the government and upper class celebrated his death. So yeah, Nero was not really a bad guy. Definitely not the beast of 666, right? Unsure. I remember learning about Nero and all of the Roman emperors when I was at school, which is a long fucking time ago now. And as I recall, Nero was one of the less nice ones. Like, just the name Nero evokes something evil in my mind. I just don't recall what it was, and Hmm. I failed to do any follow-up research. So... (laughs) Yeah, here we are. Yeah, nice guy. I, guy. I just read the fact that he was into, like, theater and performance, so I was like, oh, he must be cool, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. I guess you could argue that, typically, people who are into theater and performance are pretty nice folk. Yeah. Yeah, we like him. Next, let's talk about another notable figure in history. Aleister Crawley adopted the title The Beast 666. As such, 666 is also associated with him, his work, and his religious philosophy of Thelema. Just try that again, just for fun. Religious philosophy of Thelema. Not religious philosophy of Thelema. Religious philosophy of Thelema. There it is. Third time's the charm. Alistair was born on October 12, 1875. His mother, Emily Bertha Bishop, came from a Devonshire Somerset family and had a strained relationship with her son. She described him as the Beast, a name that he reveled in. Okay, so first, I can't believe we're doing this again. It's Devon what? Devonshire. There it is. Devonshire, not Devonshire. Gosh, you're so American. Anyway... Are you sure that was Devonshire and not Demonshire? (laughs) At Cambridge University, Crowley maintained a vigorous sex life with women, largely with female sex workers. Hookers! We've been over this, Daniel. They're sex workers. Yeah. 
they're only hookers if you pay them enough money to f- get the privilege to call them hookers. Yeah, so we pay them, right? Have you paid any recently? No, not recently. Okay, no. then you don't get to say hookers Despite anymore. Despite our proximity to Nevada, no. No, unfortunately <sighs> okay. not. So, from one of these sex workers, he caught syphilis. Yay! But eventually, he took part in same-sex activities despite their illegality. Yes, it was illegal for a very long time to have gay sex. It was only on June 26, 2003, that laws against sodomy were declared unconstitutional by the Supreme Court. Is that sodomy for everybody, or just sodomy for gay folk? Everybody. Oh. This means that homosexuality was decriminalized nationwide only 19 years ago. So yeah, Alistair Crawley was a bisexual man in a time when it was highly frowned upon and illegal to be queer. Which is super interesting, other than the fact that he didn't fucking live in America. So, what on earth does the Supreme Court have to do with the United Kingdom? My question to you, Daniel, is how long has it been legal to be gay in the UK? Well, let me tell you. In the UK, it was legalised in 1967, so still after Crowley's time but significantly earlier than you folks who would rather fuck your sister than your brother because it's gay. But again, I ask you, what does the Supreme Court and America's laws on the matter have to do with the UK? I was just saying that it's been so long. And yet so far up your bum with my penis. Yeah. I don't know. Just time. Time. (laughs) In October 1897, Crowley met Herbert Charles Pollitt, president of the Cambridge University Footlights Dramatic Club, and the two entered into a relationship. And one another's buttholes. That's none of your concern, Daniel. They had some different philosophical ideas, though, that eventually ended in the termination of their relationship, and Crowley was sad about this for many, many years. Crowley ended up traveling the world in search of magic and the occult. He joined a group called Golden Dawn, but despite his intelligence and knowledge of the occult, he was not well-liked in the group because of his bisexuality and liberalism. And when I say that he traveled the world, I mean he was all over the place. In a time when traveling the world took forever, too. Quite impressive. Yes, quite. So, can you tell me more about this Golden Dawn group? Because it sounds familiar to me. No. Oh, cool. <laughs> well, it's a culty... It's worth mentioning, then. It's like a cult, and I have it written down for a later episode, so... Oh. Coming soon. Okay, then. Acceptable. Crowley married a woman called Rose Edith Kelly in 1903. In 1904, they travelled to Cairo. They pretended to be a prince and princess and rented an apartment there. In the apartment, Crowley set up a temple and began to invoke ancient Egyptian deities... He was also studying Islamic and Arabic mysticism. Do you want to pretend to be a prince and princess and go to, like, Vegas or something and see if we can get away with it? Yes. I mean, I do have a crown. And they have the hookers. Sex workers! Sex hookers! Anyway, continue. According to Crowley's later account, Rose regularly became delirious and informed him... They are waiting for you! On March 18th, She explained that they were actually the god Horus, and on March 20th, proclaimed that The equinox of the gods has come. She led him to a nearby museum, where she showed him a 7th century BCE mortuary steel 
which is an upright stone slab or column, known as the Steel of Ankh FN Konsu. Crowley thought it important that the exhibit's number was 666, and in later years termed the artefact the Steel of Revealing. According to Crowley's later statements, on April 8th he heard a disembodied voice claiming to be that of Awas, the messenger of Horus, or Horpakrat. Crowley said that he wrote down everything the voice told him over the course of the next three days, entitled it Liber Alvel Legis, or the Book of the Law. So, we see this a lot when people are making up religions. We have talked about John Smith and how an angel showed him some golden tablets and had him transcribe them into the Book of Morbin. Oh, that knobhead. Yeah. It seems pretty easy to just be like, Look, I heard a voice and it told me that this is the word of God, so here, I'm a prophet now. Please give me your money. And your butthole. Give me your buttholes. <laughs> I love those. Why are you laughing? You know I love those. They're my favorite. I just envision like a bag of crisps, but just like fried buttholes. I love fried buttholes. <laughs> so, Give it to me. I'll spit on it. I'll spit on it, purple. <laughs> So the book proclaimed that humanity was entering a new eon and that Alistair Crawley would serve as its prophet. It stated that a supreme moral law was to be introduced in this eon. Do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law. And that people should learn to live in tune with their will. This book and the philosophy that it espoused became the cornerstone of Crowley's religion, Thelema. But Crowley said that at the time he had been unsure what to do with the Book of the Law. Often resenting it, he said that he ignored the instructions which the text commanded him to perform, which included taking the steel of revealing from the museum, fortifying his own island, and translating the book into all the world's languages. According to his account, he instead sent typescripts of the work to several occultists he knew, and then he put the manuscript away and ignored it. So he was like, that's a lot of work. I'm not going to do all that. You want me to steal something from a museum? Nah, man. (laughs) I don't know. If anyone was crazy enough, it was probably Alistair Crowley, right? True, true. And he had the resources. And the syphilis. Mm Mm-hmm. He actually had quite a lot of STDs throughout his life. Well, you know. Anyway. Happens to the best of us. So Crowley went on to write a whole slew of occult books. He was super into magic and obsessed with the number 666. But was he the beast? I don't think so. He was just a good writer and an interesting guy. Maybe a little bit mentally ill, since he, you know, heard voices that told him to write a new Bible and then was like, "Uh, I don't really want to be a prophet after all. Seems like a lot of work. Well, it's kind of interesting though, isn't it? That he heard the voices and then ignored them. It's like that either makes it very true or doubly crazy. (laughs) Right. (laughs) All right. Let's talk about the number 666 some more. I mean, that is why we're here, Autumn. Oh, is it? Wait. Is it? Why are we here? Oh, fuck. I don't know. I'm having a Crowley moment. In Chinese numerology, the number is considered to be lucky and is often displayed in shop windows and neon signs. So if you are ever in China and you see a sign above a clothes shop that says 666... Don't be afraid. 
This means that you should definitely buy some lucky pants. Phew. Gosh, for a moment I thought my fake Levi's were like totally satanic. <laughs> have you seen that meme that mathematicians have created? No. No, the one with the square root of 666, which is 25.8069. And the saying goes, if 666 is evil, then is 25.8069 the root of all evil? Ha. Ha. Love math jokes. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's definitely the funniest meme I've ever seen. <laughs> you know, way funnier than that disabled kid getting jacked off under the table. No. The roulette wheel has a total sum of 666 when you add up each number on the wheel... Zero through 36. I remember hearing that before. That's cool. In 1980, there was a lottery scandal in Pennsylvania, also known as the Triple Six Fix. It was an almost successful plot to rig the Daily Number, a three-digit game of the Pennsylvania Lottery. All of the balls in the three machines, except those numbered four and six, were weighted, meaning that the drawing was almost sure to be a combination of those digits. The scheme was successful in that 666, one of the eight combinations of fours and six that the fixers were hoping for, was drawn on April 24th, 1980. However, the unusual betting patterns alerted authorities to the crime. The chief conspirators were sent to prison, and most of the fraudulently acquired winnings were never paid out. In pulp culture, the number 666 has taken on a wide field of associations with evil. Rock and punk music purposefully perpetuate it, sometimes with tongue-in-cheek, as a symbol of bad behavior or even Satanism. For example, Iron Maiden's album 666. Isn't it just called Number of the Beast? Maybe, but there is 666 on the album? Okay, yeah, I think it's just called The Number of the Beast, or at least that's one of their tracks. Yeah. So maybe that's a track on the album 666, maybe. but I'm just going to run with it just called the number of the beast. As a cultural counter-movement to those who fear the connection of 666 with a contemporary figure or object, some participate in light-hearted mockery of the evil number through products such as 666 vodka and the 666 energy drink. Speaking of energy drinks, isn't there some nonsense about monster energy drink and the number 666 too? Like the three identical symbols which make the monster M are actually the Hebrew symbol for the number six. We'll get to that. Oh, okay. My bad. In contrast to those perhaps hiding or mocking it, certain groups have straightforwardly adopted the numerical symbol for their self-identification. In a standard racist tattoo of the Aryan Brotherhood prison gang, the number is superimposed on a shamrock. What? Why? Since when are Irish Satanists in any way Aryan? No clue, bro. Like, what? I, I'm just imagining like a bunch of ginger guys running around in prison with their fucking shamrock tattoo with a 666 <laughs> on it. Um, there's different groups in prison, and, and they each have their own little subgroups, I guess. Weird. In recent decades, conspiracy theorists tend to combine interpretations of the Bible with fears that the evil governmental and or religious forces are overtaking society. Given that in the Bible, it says that the mark of the beast will be upon you and you will need the mark in order to buy stuff, some conspiracy theorists think that 666 has something to do with our barcode system. And there are actually people out there that have a genuine fear of the number 666, and this fear is called... 
I really hope you've practiced this, Autumn. No, because it's funner this way. Funner! More fun. So this fear is called Hexacosioi Hexaconotatexaphobia. You got, I mean, you got two thirds of the way through until you made it sound like a fear of saxophones. <laughs> Come on, one more time. You got this. Slow it down a little. Hexacosioi Hexaconotatexaphobia. Yeah, you got to the same spot again. <laughs> right, it actually got easier, and then you just you added a letter and then several syllables. I don't know why. Okay, then how is it pronounced? Okay, so it is hexacosioi hexacontahexaphobia. Nice. What's that again, Autumn? Hexacosioi hexacontia hexaphobia. That's literally it. That's the- <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> You sit there really trying and you fuck it up and then you just blurt it out and it's perfect. Hexacosioi, hexaconta, hexaphobia. All right. Let's talk about Satan. Hail Satan! Okay. The idea of the devil is not restricted to Christian beliefs. For as long as humans have been able to form ideas and thoughts, we have always needed something to explain why good things happen and why bad things happen. Because chance is just too down to chance. Yeah. So a lot of people just were like, good and bad must equal higher powers such as gods and devils. Hobbitses and Sauron, Neo and Smith, Jedis and Sith. It's all just the same old shit regurgitated for the next generation. Yeah, like Harry Potter and Voldemort. Yeah, that nonsense. Yeah. We had a good year for crops, so the gods must be pleased. Or there was just a great famine, and this must be the work of the devil. Scientific explanation was not really a thing back in the olden times, so using religion to explain shit was the go-to. Luckily, most of the world now understands this to be complete fucking nonsense, and is evolving to the next stage of human society. You say that, but most of the world still believes in some sort of religion, Daniel. (sighs) Yeah. Yeah. In Judaism, Satan means adversary. The Satan of the Old Testament is a description, not a name. This is a figure that works with God's full permission, tempting believers to doubt their faith, separating the true believers from those who just pay lip service. Mmm. Lip service. (laughs) Squelchy. In Christianity, the name Satan only appears in the New Testament a handful of times. Satan attempts to get Jesus to turn away from God and worship him instead. Man, if Satan had succeeded, that would have changed the whole rest of the story. We'd have been having a lot more fun, that's for sure. True story. There are devil worshippers on this planet who worship this Christian version of Satan, and they view him as the lord of evil and destruction. Hail Satan! Yeah, we're not really those. It's funny to say, though, it just rolls right off of the forked tongue, doesn't it? Yes. Muslims have two terms for their satanic figure. The first is Iblis, which is his proper name. The second is Shaitan, which is a noun or adjective describing any being that rebels against God. <laughs> I just took a massive Shaitan your face. Uh... <laughs> I'm trying to come up with something clever. I can't. Is is Shaitan's first name Carl? Carl Shaitan. 
I don't understand. Like a hot Carl. What's a hot Carl? Isn't that when you poop on somebody's boobs and then you put your penis in between them? No. <laughs> That's like a steamroller or could be an Alabama hot pocket if you do it straight up the cooter. Okay. Now I want to talk about the Church of Satan real quick. Levian Satanists do not believe in a literal satanic being, but instead use the name as a metaphor for humanity's true nature, which should be embraced, and what they call the dark force. I mean, that's not helping to make Christians like them now, is it? If you're trying to not associate yourself with evil or the antithesis of their god, then maybe go for slightly different verbiage. Hmm, like the less light force. Yeah. Magenta force. <laughs> what the fuck? Why magenta? I don't know. <laughs> the chartreuse force. Mauve. Mauve. It's mauve. It's mauve. So the Church of Satan says that Satan himself is not evil, but he does represent a variety of things branded as evil by the traditional religions, including sexuality, pleasure, lust, cultural taboos, fertility, ego, pride, accomplishment, success, materialism, and hedonism. Wait, those are all my favorite things. Like, those are also most white Christian Americans' favorite things. How can this be? It makes no sense. It's almost like, no, it cannot be. It's almost like they pick a mix to suit their own best interests. It's almost like they're hypocrites. But this cannot be. That would be entirely unchristian. You had to get me started on that shit again, didn't you, Autumn? For fuck's sake. You hate religion so much. I, I just, I, yeah. I don't hate it. I find it fascinating. And I don't hate people that are religious. I just hate it when they try to push their shit in my face. I don't hate them. I just think they're fucking batshit crazy. Anywho. Okay. I think that's enough religious talk for now. Let's get into some pop culture stuff. On YouTube, there was a mystery called Username666. It started with a video of the same name being uploaded to YouTube. The actual user that posted this was called Nana825763. This video was uploaded in February of 2009. As of the date of this recording, June 15th, 2022, the video has over 15 million views. 15 million? 15 million? Marginally more than we have listens. Anyway, the video starts with a recording of a YouTube page and the user keeps hitting the refresh button in his browser. Every time they refresh, the page gets darker and more sinister. Then it turns into like weird blood and gore images, but nothing really intelligible. The user then tries to close the browser, but it doesn't work. These days, Nana825763 has about 300,000 subscribers, and they post spooky vids all of the time. They also post a bunch of Minecraft videos that are actually pretty fun, so you should go check those out if you're so inclined. But back when the username 666 video was first released, it was this big mystery, and the internet peoples kind of lost their minds trying to solve it. So the first thing they did was try to find an account that was username 666. What they found was that username 666 was a channel at one point, but the account was terminated due to repeat or severe violations. 
So then they went to archive.org, aka the Wayback Machine, which is a website that is a dedicated internet archive and a nonprofit library of millions of free books, movies, software, music, websites, and more. That sounds highly illegal. What's that URL again? Archive.org. Thanks. But this did not work. No matter how far you went back in time in this archive, the channel username 666 was just always shut down. So if you try to search for username 666 on YouTube right now, it will simply say that the channel does not exist. So they then went back to the Wayback Machine and dug around in the 4chan archives. 4chan is an anonymous English language image board website. You can find some pretty crazy shit on there. Yes, yes you can. Back when porn took ages to download and then it would fail just as he got to the snooch. Aww. Yeah. So this post happened in 2007 on 4chan. Has anyone seen this YouTube channel? I stumbled across it looking for some video essay resources. Shit's crazy, man. LOL, I think one of the videos was featured on Reddit. And they had a screenshot of the username 666 channel in the post. This post has been deleted from 4chan, and I could not personally find it in all the Wayback Machine's archive. But it did exist at one point, because the YouTube channel called The Tech-It Realm made a video about it, and they posted a screenshot here. Go watch the video. This is where I got a lot of my knowledge about this whole creepy story from. So in the video, they do some super nerdy tech stuff involving code, and it led to this conclusion about username 666. I think I should have watched this and been the judge of how nerdy it was, Autumn. Yeah, you should have. Yeah. So the conclusion was that the channel called username 666 was actually run by the original poster of the video. Surprise! It was Nana825763 all along. Shocker! Nana had created the channel called username 666. The Tekkit Realm also found evidence of the complaint that was made that caused username 666 to get deleted. But that complaint had also been deleted. It's kind of weird. Like YouTube is trying to cover up the fact that the channel ever existed. Yet the original video made by Nana925763 is still up. Leading me, at least, to believe that this was a YouTube employee. Especially given the seemingly random, nonsensical username. Also on YouTube, I found a Doom channel. What the fuck is a Doom channel? It's like a channel that specializes in like Doomsday videos and things like that, like end of the world, occulty stuff. Oh, so not like an Invader Zim fan page. No, that'd be cooler. Doom, 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 Doom. Anyway, it's called World's Last Chance. They have a video called 666, Number of the Beast, Identifying Satan's Power Elite. According to World's Last Chance, Satan has been controlling powerful men all throughout history, and more recently, he has been building an army of some of the world's most elite humans. So this channel believes that the Roman Catholic Church is part of the army of Satan. I mean, if any of them are, and any of this nonsense is true, it's definitely the Catholics, man. Agreed. So they go with the numerology thing again to prove this theory. 666 is supposedly found in the Pope's title, and it's also shown on his papal crown, and this is the title, Vicatius Fili Dei. Translated, it means Vicar of the Son of God. 
So yeah, Vicacious Philly Day equals 666. Like I said earlier, a lot of names and word combinations can add up to 666. So the practice of calculating, in massive air quotes, the numeric value of words is called gematria. This is done, very simply, by assigning a numeric value to each letter in an alphabet. In our Latin or Roman alphabet, for example, you might just assign A through Z the numbers 1 through 26. And so, in fact, the conclusion of Vicacious Philly Dei adding up to 666 was made. However, after about 30 seconds looking into all this, I noticed that seemingly random other numbers are sometimes also assigned to the very same letters in the very same alphabets. So it seems to me people are just trying to find meaning where, in fact, there is none. And we'll just assign whatever makes their crackpot theories work. So let's talk about the Google Chrome logo. Get yourself a drink. Shit's about to get weird. If you look at the Google Chrome logo, it is a circle that has three different colors, each separated by a diagonal line. Red, yellow, and green. The middle of the logo is a blue circle. If you trace the middle circle out to the diagonal lines, it results in three sixes. So the logo is supposed to represent speed and dynamics, but somebody somewhere was like, nope, this is clearly 666 and the Illuminati are using Google Chrome to spy on you. Oh, the dumb fuckery. But it does, doesn't it? It does look like three sixes if you actually bother looking or caring. If you pick it apart, sure. Yeah, but then supposed to represent speed and dynamics? I mean, the swastika was meant to represent progress and movement forward, but... Here we are. Here we fucking are. (laughs) So, we consume a lot of caffeine. We love it. It's the world's most widely consumed legal stimulant. Probably the second most used stimulant is from a similar part of the world, but it's much less dark in colour and is not consumed orally. We love coffee, but sometimes we like a good energy drink. And Monster Brand is our go-to. We need to start getting paid for these plugs, man. Soon. You reckon we can get sponsored by Monster? Maybe, hopefully, someday. Yeah, let's email them. Okay. Yeah. There is this woman called Christine Wyke. I mean, right off the bat, she sounds like a cunt, doesn't she? Let's be honest. (laughs) She is a Christian activist. I was right! Who claims that monster energy drink is the work of Satan. This is from a video that's up on YouTube right now. And for the last 10 years, Autumn. I don't know. Yeah, anyway, go on. She breaks down the logo, the M on the can, like Dan mentioned earlier, how the M is actually separated into three segments, all of which resemble the Hebrew character for the number six. So, six, six, six. And then she talks about the word monster in the logo. The O in the word has a line going through it vertically. She claims that it is a cross. Then how is that anti-Christian? Wait for it. And she's like, what does Christ have to do with an energy drink, let alone a monster? I mean, he is one? No? Okay. So at the bottom of the monster can, she has the original green monster can, but it's the, the giant one. You know what I'm saying? The bigger can. So not the original green, but, like, but the original green flavor. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So at the bottom of the can are the letters BFC. And she's like, what does this stand for? That's the F word, big fucking can. I love big fucking cans. <laughs> so do I. 
And then she's like, oh, I, I can't take it. She's a nutcase. She goes, do you know what a MILF is? It's on the box. MILFs dig it, and you will too. This is not a Christian company at all. Like, no shit, Christina. <laughs> what made her think, oh my god. <laughs> I don't know, but I love big cans and MILFs, so <laughs> monsters are right with me. <clears throat> And then she goes on to tell us what she thinks the message is that Monster is trying to send out to all of the company's followers. She points to the cross and the O and goes, Antichrist 666, and look at their ad. This is their statement. Unleash the beast. It's, it's just an energy drink, Christina. I mean, she does make a couple of very valid points. The logo does look like the Hebrew for 666. And the slogan is Unleash the Beast. You know, the beast. So either the founder was a funny fella, or the dude struck a deal with the devil. You know, 27 Club style Or he figured at some point Christian whack jobs would figure out his little joke, resulting in a load of free publicity aimed at people who literally don't give a fuck about or subscribe to any religion, and would actually buy more of the stuff just to piss these people off. Winner! I actually just bought one today. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, I can't wait for the heart disease. <laughs> wait, fuck. No. What? Sponsor us. Sponsor us. <laughs> it will not give you heart oh, disease. It oh. makes you live forever. Makes you live forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You get all the hype. fucking... Hype, hype, hype. Hype? You get yeah. all the hype? Yeah, it makes you like super fucking energized. And, like, Energy, yeah. Woo. Okay. Yeah, Satan, hookers. Moving on. <laughs> you can find symbolism in anything if you look for it. Symbolism can be defined as the practice or art of using an object or a word to represent an abstract idea. An action, person, place, word, or object can have symbolic meanings. There is a film called The Number 23 starring Jim Carrey. It's really good. Check it out if you haven't seen it. If you don't want spoilers, go ahead and fast forward through this part. But honestly, this film has been out since 2007, so if you haven't seen it by now, then are you even a Jim Carrey fan? Kinda a little. I like him best in his serious roles. What about you? I remember the first time I ever saw Jim Carrey before he was actually famous, or at least movie famous. Have you ever seen an old Clint Eastwood movie called Pink Cadillac? Yes. Yeah. It's been ages. And it was it was Clint Eastwood and the blonde chick who he also starred in fucking Every Which Way But Loose with. Anyway, point being, in the background when they're sitting in a bar, you see Jim Carrey doing a comedy act. He has no lines, he's just in the background. And he pulls his arms up into his sleeves and he stands there and just waves his <laughs> arms around like a thalidomide kid oh doing an Elvis routine. Oh. And it's fucking brilliant. That's amazing. We gotta watch yep. that again. We should. I mean, yeah, I mean the movie's alright, but anyway, mm. point being, do I like Jim Carrey? Yes. I mean, The Mask, or Mask, was a, a seminal movie in my growing up. Probably even more so than, uh, what was it, Pet Detective? But yeah, I do prefer his serious roles. What was the one where he was, oh, the, the Truman Show, right? Yeah. Yeah. Much like that other fella, who's the widely loved comedian who recently committed suicide due to his depression? Robin Williams, that's it. Yeah, I typically prefer comedians' more serious roles. Have you seen Awakenings, for example? Yeah. Yeah. 
they just I don't know it's is it the contrast having known them as comedians the whole time and then seeing them do something serious it just really has more of an impact maybe sometimes it know. does sometimes it doesn't yeah Anyway, sorry, I digress. Carry on. (laughs) So the main plot of The Number 23, uh, Jim Carrey finds a book called The Number 23 by an author called Topsy Kretz. Is that code for anything? I don't know. Like, if you rearrange the letters, do you get Satan? I mean, obviously not, but... No, it's not that clever. It's just Topsy Kretz, Top Secrets. Holy fuck. How did you just tell me it's not code for anything when it's very clearly top secret? It's clearly, so it's not a code unless you're an idiot. I'm just too stupid. In the same (laughs) way that it it took me years to realize that Diagon Alley was diagonally. Yeah, I'm I'm just slow. I'm sorry. So, and he starts reading this book and he begins to find parallels between what's happening in the book and what's going on in his personal life. So he starts to imagine himself as the main character in the book, a detective called Fingerling. <laughs> yeah. What the fuck? Detective Potato. Yeah, a lot of the names in this film are kind of ridiculous. Anyways. Is there a horse called Artex? Artex. Artex. So in the film, he's trying to unravel the mystery of what's going on in the book And the movie jumps back and forth between those scenes in the book and what's going on in his own life. A little reminiscent of the never-ending story in that aspect. In the book, Fingerling starts going on about the number 23, and then Jim Carrey's character, called Walter Sparrow, in his real life, starts freaking out about it as well. So there is a lot of numerology in this film, And it all boils down to how we can find the number 23 in everything. For example, the Mayans believed that the world would end in 2012. 20 plus 1 plus 2 equals 23. Tenuous. And the number itself is hidden in every scene throughout the whole film. Like, for example, Jim Carrey's character stays in the King Edward Motel. The last King Edward was born on the 23rd of June. And in the film, someone says to Jim Carrey's character, If you're looking for meaning in something, you can find it. But we couldn't find the exact quote, and we haven't seen this film in quite a while. But here is an example of what we mean. A character from the film, dubbed Suicide Blonde, says, Pink is my favorite color. Do you know what pink is? Red 27, white 65. 65 plus 27, 92. Pink has four letters, 92 divided by 4, 20 fucking 3. No way. That's so creepy. It's like if you take the numbers 666, add them all together, divide them by 3, take their square root, multiply them by pi to the power of 17, then subtract 666 again, you get your mum's so dumb she'd believe any of this kind of shit. (laughs) Am I supposed to laugh here? Okay, pause for applause. (laughs) Anyway... Speaking of movies and pie, have you seen the movie called Pie? Yes. That's the mathematical constant pie, not the stuff your mama can't stop eating. It's a Darren Aronofsky movie, only this one doesn't have Jennifer Connelly taking a double ender up her ass. Whoa. Unfortunately. Anyway. <laughs> that was literally the only part of that movie that didn't suck, man. Anyway, different Aronofsky movie. It's about a Jewish number theorist who is mentally somewhat unstable. He tries to program his computer called Euclid to make stock market predictions. 
However, it malfunctions and prints out a seemingly random 216-digit number, as well as a single stock pick at one-tenth its current market value, then crashes. The dude gets pissed and throws away the printout. However, the next morning he realises the prediction was, in fact, accurate, but he can't find the printout. An hour or so of black and white movie later, it turns out this 216-digit number represents the unspeakable name of God and is meant to be used to bring about the messianic age, a future period in which the Messiah will reign on earth, bringing universal peace and brotherhood. Shit, I didn't realize, I, don't, I haven't seen that movie in forever, I didn't realize it had like a God ending. I mean, it didn't have a God ending, it had a God like everything but the first ten minutes, but yeah, that's what it's about. Hmm. So, yeah, that was my somewhat unrelated contribution about symbolism in religion, albeit not about the number 666. You're welcome. Thanks. Good movie though, even without the double ender. Go check it out. Ass to ass. Ass to ass. Ass to ass. Yup. Reaching, grasping for meaning and symbolism. You will find what you're looking for if that's what you want to see. Like Christina in the monster can. She was looking for anything that is satanic, so she chose that monster can and she picked it apart to fit her agenda. So yeah, according to Christians, the number 666 is the mark of the beast. But honestly, I don't think it really has much of anything to do with anything at all. And that's our conclusion. Although, it is truly intriguing. Wondering what on earth the people who wrote the Bible chose that number for. Like how? How did they choose that number? Yeah, I don't know. How did they even do that? Yeah, you might have turned up today and listened to this podcast hoping for an answer to that very question. But alas, here we are. We have no answers. Satan probably does. Hail Satan. Hail Satan. And that's the show. Oh my god, that's it? That was so short. It just felt short because it was so fucking good. Isn't that right, everyone? We breezed right through it, too. Oh, yeah. Fucking champs. Yeah. Anyways, so now, this is a special new segment of the show. I will have Dan roll a d20, and this will determine what the next episode will be about. Roll for podcast, Dan. Ooh, if I roll a 20, can I critical hit that ass tonight? Maybe. Giggity, giggity. You only get one shot. Giggity, goo. So wait, hold on. Really, though, can we just confirm here? If I roll a 20, then I get the ass. Not the ass. Why not? don't like it. I don't care. That's what makes it fun. Roll. One. One? That's the fucking story of my life, isn't it? (laughs) Oh, my God. I could not have been any further away from butt-fucking autumn. So, uh... Next episode will be about the Cecil Hotel, and I'm super fucking stoked for that. Yeah, I would definitely say tune on in, and uh, consider yourself lucky that we didn't get... Let's see, what else have we got here? I mean, jeez, you could have had the Lake Bottom Murders, we could have talked about cloning, the Playboy Curse. What, what is the Playboy Curse? I want to talk about that. Coming soon. All right, well, yeah, there you go. So lots more to look forward to here on Seven Circles. And I guess that's about it. Do we wrap this one up? Wrap it up. Thank you for listening. We appreciate you. If you like us, you can come support us on Patreon at Seven Circles Pod. We are an indie podcast, and without your support, we would not be able to do this thing that we love. Everything was written, produced, edited, and mixed by us, Autumn and Dan. Thanks to Caroline Gates for the artwork and No Machine for the music. If you have anything to say to us about this episode, come say hi to us on the social media. 
We are currently on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search for Seven Circles Podcast. That's the number seven, not the word, plus circles like the shapes. Seven and circles. Six, 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 the, the number, number of, of the beast. beast. Hell and fire was spawned to be released. Wow. <laughs> that was beautiful. Six, 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 the, the number, number of, of the beast. beast. Sacrifice is going on tonight. Just, just outstanding. You remind me of the babe. What babe? The babe with the power. What power? The power of voodoo. Voodoo? You do. Remind me of the babe. Remind me of the babe. I saw, I saw my baby, baby crying hard as babe could cry. What, what could I do? My, my baby's love had gone. And my, my baby blue. blue. Nobody, Nobody knew. What kind, kind of spell? <laughs> you suck. What? Kind of magic spell to use. Slime and shit and puppy dog shoes. <laughs> Do you reckon when she made the labyrinth, she had ever played with a double ender? No, she was a fucking child at the labyrinth dance. Was she still a child yeah, though? she was a fucking child when that movie came out. But. She was like 16, bro. I mean, she was portrayed as 16. Was she actually no, 16, she was though? An actual child. Like, well, was I was a 14. kid when I watched it myself, so it's okay that I was aroused by it. Or but not now. I mean, I didn't suggest that I was thinking of Jennifer Connolly in The Labyrinth with, with the a double, double ender now. No. <laughs> with David Bowie. Okay. Uh, what was that? I don't know, but it smells funky in here. <laughs> Can I critical hit that ass tonight, tonight?